mentions resolutions. All right, be honest. How many of you have already broken one of your resolutions? Oh, good. None of you. That's been, oh, two of you. All right. I, I won't raise my hand too high this morning. So when we um, talked about the uniqueness of the calendar this year, and I just want to remind you about calendars. This is uh, fascinating to me. We live in a state that uh, we get to feel the full um, effects of all the seasons, right? Ohio just seems to have the quintessential seasons. I love that about Ohio. But I want to remind you of the fact that even the, the way our calendar works, 365 days in the year, that the Lord is constantly working out a plan of rejuvenation, and he's constantly showing us his handiwork. And so when we talked about services and the uniqueness of having New Year's Day uh, fall on a Sunday morning and Christmas Day fall on a Sunday morning, first thing I thought was I'd rather be no other place in the world than to be with you, our church family. And some of you have felt that way this morning. Uh, you look forward to the privilege of being together. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? And we also recognize uh, together this morning that, um, that there's nothing better than for us to really sit at the feet of the Lord and dedicate 2023 to him. I want to remind you the next 365 days of your life, the Lord knows all of the details of that. He knows what's going to happen internationally. He knows what's going to happen in our country um, he knows physically some of you are waiting a diagnosis. Or a, I just want to remind you, when we talk about his sovereignty, uh, we recognize that he is um, faithful, that he's in control, that he's sovereign. I also love the fact that he's aware as well. And so this morning, I'm going to challenge you as we think of new fresh starts that we're going to pray together and we're going to dedicate this year to the Lord together. That's one of our goals in this service. And uh, I want to remind you, when we pray your will be done, uh, or in Jesus' name, uh, that those prayers are strategic prayers, actually. They're strategic because we're really saying, most of the time, we don't know how to pray. Let's be honest, right? We, we don't know what the right situations. We guess. We, we, want our, we have our preferences. I want the job. I don't want the I don't know. What's going on? How's this? Should they marry? Ah, you know, all those things. You stand back and you say, I think I know what's best. And it's great for us to ask the Lord. We're asking the Lord, many of us, for divine healing, for things that, that have broken our hearts, or people we love that don't know him. And we have deep cries in our hearts, right? He's great with us praying those kind of prayers. Amen. But I also recognize this morning uh, that we pray, your will be done, Lord. You, you know what tomorrow's going to bring. You know what this year's going to look like. You know the sorrows. And when he says sufficient is its own day, its own troubles, he's saying, let tomorrow worry for tomorrow. Uh, let's let today focus in on his faithfulness and his goodness. And I get to remind you as a minister of the gospel that the Lord loves you that he cares about you, he died for you, and today he wants us to sit at his feet and to just allow him to hear his voice, allow us to hear his voice. So would you join me? We're going to just spend a few minutes in prayer together, and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you some prompts. You can pray quietly in your seats there, but I'm just going to give you some prompts. First, we want to just begin adoring the Lord. And, and in your seat there, I just want you to think of the things that you're thankful for. Some of them could be the things that you're grateful for in 2022. I know for, for some of you as you pray, you're thankful to turn the page on 2022 and that it was a hard year. But I want to allow you to have some space to just sit down and to say thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your faithfulness. 
I also want to remind you this morning to adore him. We sing the song, come let us adore him. And that's not just the baby in the manger, but it's the incarnate Lord that came to seek and to save that which was lost. I want you to remember and adore the attributes of your God, the God that literally we can set our watches to because of his intimate control and design of his creation, that he is sovereign and in control. Praise the Lord for his faithfulness. I want to also leave space for you to confess I'm going to close the sermon this morning reading a passage in Romans that says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And, and I want to just remind you, when we confess to the Lord, we're telling him what he already knows about us, right? That he's not, he's not deceived by our deception, our masks, our shame, our fear of discovery, and I just want to encourage you at the beginning of this year, 2023, that you'd allow yourself to put your shame, your burdens, your discouragement, your fear, would you confess them before your Lord? And then from there, I'm going to invite you to join me in praying, God, your will be done. Uh, Lord, I love, I love the fact that we get to, to sit down at your feet and you're involved in your creation. You tell us that you're Divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of you who called us for your own glory and goodness. And this morning, we want to ask you, Lord, to have your will be done. Would you have your will be done in this humble building, these, uh, this property that you've blessed us with? Would you have your will be done with our church family? We know that there's many that are in crisis today. Would you allow your will to be done in their lives and those who we love that don't know you personally or can't, can't sing the same kind of lyrics to songs that we can sing. Those of us that know you, I pray humbly, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them and you'd give us the privilege and honor to be ambassadors of your loving kindness. Lord, would you draw, as we pray your will be done, faces names, people who you want us to deliberately pursue. Uh, today, we're going to talk about light and darkness a little bit. And when we think about the privilege of living in the light, I, I just pray that we let our light shine before man in such a way that they could see your good deeds, what you're doing in and through us in such a way that they glorify you, Lord, in heaven. And I just, I just ask this morning, as we look at 2023, we consider it a joy and a privilege to fellowship together. We are excited. Um, we're probably going to be hungry today because we're going to smell food wafting through the, uh, the hallways here. But we, Lord, sit at your feet. We worship you. We praise you. And, and we really do echo um, the lyrics of that song, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And all God's people said, amen. So if I asked you uh, to list out your favorite Christmas songs, some of you are like, oh, dude, I have already turned the page on Christmas. You some of you are still holding on. I love it, right? So some of you are going to let January be like the extended you know, Christmas 2.0. I get it. Some of you are going to leave your Christmas lights all year round. I'm not judging you. Uh, well, yeah, just a little bit. So you know what I'm talking about. But if I asked you to list out your favorite Christmas songs, um, there, there are probably some that come to mind. I hope Grandma Got Ran Over by Reindeer isn't on your list. 
But uh, I'm guessing for, for some of us, in fact, uh, on those lists that people uh, put together and compile, the song Joy to the World is uh, one that almost always shows up at the top of the list. It's one of the world's most beloved Christmas songs. And as Tyler mentioned, Isaac Watts uh, wrote a poem uh, that was based on Psalm 98. And I, I want to encourage him and give you some homework today. Uh, Ali mentioned everything's closed today. So you, you're going to take some time. If you want to dedicate this year to the Lord, take some time to just sit at the feet of Psalm 98. There's at the end of Psalm 98, it, it talks about creation and celebrating the return of the king. And it says this in verse seven of Psalm 98. It says, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. It's a, it's a joy-saturated psalm. And it's anticipating, especially the way uh, Isaac Watts wrote this, this hymn or the lyrics that would be a poem that would be put to a hymn in 1719. It's one where we just stand back and we're just in awe of his goodness. Joy to the Lord. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. You saw the one lyric that Tyler sang. We don't always sing it uh, at Christmas time, but it talked about thorns. I'll just tell you, I look forward to the day when there's no thorns in my garden, right? I, I look forward to the day when sin is conquered, that there's no more tears and suffering. And in that verse in Psalm, or that, that passage of Psalm 98, and uh, this, this hymn reminds us of the anticipation of the return of the king. This morning, it's my privilege as I preach this message to remind you of the fact that the Lord is going to return. Uh, in California, we used to go to a restaurant, a, a hamburger place called In-N-Out Burger. Some of you, I'm going to make you hungry today and talk about it. And um, Somebody whooped. That's awesome. Yes, In-N-Out Burger. It's great. Um, but uh, today, I have the privilege of talking with you about the difference in the return of the king for those who are in, those who know the Lord. Uh, that's going to be, we're going to see it in the text. That's going to be a wonderful day of joy. It is, it is the day that we get to celebrate the return of our king. And uh, when that trumpet sounds, we get to go be in his presence. And um, the sad part, as we look at two passages, one in Thessalonians and one in Matthew, is that it will also be a day of great pain for those who are out of relationship with Christ. The, God's word is very clear about that. And so this morning, as we see this combination, there's going to be some biblical images, uh, one that's helpful for me and also hard to read. Anytime we talk about the, um, the ark and Noah and the experience that he had, it's going to be referenced in these passages. We, we want to recognize that historically there was a moment in history when this guy built this thing um, because God told him to. It, it was like the length of a football field and a half. I mean, it was massive. Some of you have visited recreations of the ark, and you, it's massive. So, so you couldn't have ignored the construction if you were in the region where Noah built that ark. And in the text, it's going to describe that moment in history when people saw that thing built, probably mocked him for what he was doing, believed that there was no chance that there was going to be anything that was going to happen and then there was the day of judgment that falls upon people and there was suffering. And 
And there had to be a moment for Noah when he just stood back and he just recognized what I hope you recognize this morning is that God is a God who keeps his promises. He does what he says he's going to do. And so when we say that he's going to return, he's going to return. And for some of us, that, that test, that day is not one that has to be a sad test. Um, we all know the difference between tests that you've prepared for, right? And tests that you didn't prepare so well for. No, you guys don't know what I mean. I remember my driver's ed exam. I can remember it. Birthday, June 3rd. Um, the day I turned 16, that's when I took my test, and uh, I had prepared for that thing. A little more than the, the kid that I watched the other day over across from Big Lots here in Brunswick that um, had a student, student driver bumper sticker, and he was literally like on the sidewalk uh, coming down the hill. I'm like, good for you, man. Get it done now so you can pass that test someday, so, you know? But uh, I, for me personally, I prepared for that test. I'd studied for the written portion, and then um, my uh, driver's instructor. Uh, I, I got the one that people said, you hope you don't get. Uh, and she asked me to get in the car and um, she, we checked the lights and things. That's how they did it in the old days, in the 90s uh, when I did this. And uh, I, uh, I'm, you know, go through all that. And then she asked me to, to pull out the car and we're going to head through, you know, driving in Huber Heights, Ohio, where I grew up. And um, the car didn't do anything. I'm like, oh, no. Uh, so I almost gave up right then, right? I'm, I'm about to, and I realized I hadn't even turned the car on, right? So uh, thankfully, I passed the test first time, not like all of my family members, but we won't talk about that. But, uh, um, so, so I want to remind you, though, that there is language of expectation and even testing that's expressed here in this text. And there's language like, like uh, thief in the night or thief coming and and for many of us, we look at this and we see the, the portion of it that, that, that is haunting. But I want you to hear the tone, especially if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 1. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the tone that uh, Paul writes here to the church in Thessalonica is is actually one that says to Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower, you get this. Like, you're prepared for this. This is, this is what Christ died for. This is what it means for us. And, and for some of us, we, we wonder, why, why do we talk about the second coming? Uh, why is that so important? And I, I came across an article um, today in the Word. Some of you enjoy that like I do. And says that it's estimated that there are some 1,845 references to Christ's second coming in the Old Testament. There are 17 books in the Old Testament that have it as a major theme. In the 260 chapters of the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second advent of Christ. Boy, I'm glad they did that research. I couldn't tell you all that. But, but, but it's, it's fascinating. So when we celebrate Christ at Christmas... Uh, the truth is, one out of every 30 verses, um, that, that is what is referencing the second coming of Christ. 23 of the 27 New Testament books return, refer to it. And for every prophecy in the Bible concerning Christ's first advent, what we celebrate at Christmas time, there are eight which look forward to his second. So, so we celebrate Christmas, but do we anticipate the return of the king? Uh, are we looking forward to the day that the Lord comes and 
reclaims what is his and begins the process of restoration of his creation. This is great news. We can look forward to the Lord returning again. And he is, by the way, coming again. Follow along with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. It says this, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. I love this. He's like, you got this already. Uh, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Uh, This phrase, thief in the night, is a helpful thing for us. I want you to remember that there were not that many things that could have shocked you in the ancient times. Like we have technology and and things. I I think of this day in my my past when I was a teenager uh, at my home in in Huber Heights that, um, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're kind of groggy and half awake. Um, you sleep in your eye, you know, you kind of, kind of walk out of your room. My, the bathroom was around the corner from my bedroom and, um, I I was surprised I could kind of see the light on in the bathroom, uh, from a distance, kind of surprised that it was on, but kicked open the door. Uh, and there was my aunt in the bathroom. (laughs) Uh, you want to talk about thief in the night? I, I was shocked. She, she came in late overnight. Nobody told me that she was coming and I saw things I can't unsee right now, to be honest with you. So, so I, I, I tell that story, say like, like when we talk about thief in the night, we're just talking about unexpected. Now, this is my aunt, my, my great, I, I love this person. She's a friend, she's family. She, uh, there, there's a big difference if I'd known that she'd come in in the night that I expected her, then it would have been a celebration. I wouldn't have gone through the door either. Uh, I would have paid attention. Um, but you understand what I mean, right? So there's a thief in the night description that's here that I think it's helpful for us to just understand unexpected. And then this description, I love this description. God's word is so good, isn't it? So, so think about what accompanies labor pains. Think about that for a second. Those of you who are moms, those of you who are dads, you've experienced it. Well, we dads don't get to experience it. We get to watch it, right? But, but you know it's pain, but you also know it's temporary, right? And that temporary nature means that there's something awesome that's coming, Right? There's no greater thing than to experience the gift of life. I don't, can't imagine any greater joy that a parent can have. But, but often um, the process, especially before epidurals and all those things, like just recognize the description, and it's still painful I hear with epidurals. But um, I, I, I want you to catch the fact that he's saying the labor pain, the changes afoot, something new is coming. There's something glorious that's happening. In verse 4, it says, but you are not in darkness, brothers, or you're not ignorant for that day to surprise you like a thief. So some people, it's going to surprise them. I said in and out. Those who are out of relationship with Christ, those who are on the outside, that will be a shocker. It will surprise them. They will have ignored all of the signs that have been communicated to them. For you are all children of light, children of the day. For some reason, the Apostle Paul felt the need when he writes this to remind them of the gift that they've been given by God. I want us to catch that. He's emphasizing the fact that they have experienced relationship with Christ. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then 
Let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Brothers and sisters, those who are in and those who are out should be pretty obvious to the world that's around us because we believe that this is not our final destination. You understand that? We believe that there's something so much more. It says in verse seven, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of hope of salvation. I want you to understand something, the testimonies that we had in our Christmas season, I'm so grateful for all of them. Many uh, during the Advent candle lighting process shared testimonies. I think a lot about Stacy Sauter's testimony, which she talked about in the morning, just spending time in God's word. And then that day experiencing a great crisis in her son's life. And as she shared that, I just keep thinking about what if she hadn't spent time in the Lord's word that morning? What if she hadn't sat at the feet of the Lord and listened to his voice? And then later in the pain of suffering that, that she would have missed out on the blessing and protection of the Lord. I look at these verses and I see the gift of faith, the the gift of love, the helmet of hope, of salvation. These are all gifts the Lord's given us, those of us who are believers, if we choose to receive them. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word in the NIV and a couple other translations, destined is uh, the word appointed. Um, so I want you to think about this. There's kind of two different types of appointments on the day of the Lord that we're looking to. There's two different appointments that are recorded here in Scripture when the Lord returns. Um, for some, it's an, an appointment to be present with the Lord, to experience the gift of the second coming. And for others, uh, the term is, is frightening, but it talks about being appointed for wrath. I think that it's helpful for me to think of this, like uh, for some of us, we go to the doctor when we're sick uh, and, and there's a reality of pain or um, healing or the process of getting better. But then there's those, we also go to the doctor when we're expecting a baby, right? We uh, expect something awesome or um, the blessing of that. And so I look at this and I see there's an appointment that's been scheduled. And for the believer, it's an appointment that should hold great expectation and anticipation. So, so when we see this blessing, I think it's important for us to recognize that for the believer, this is not about wrath. The believer is appointed not to wrath, but to salvation, not to the day of the Lord, but to the rapture. The believer's hope is the rapture. We're not watching in scripture for the rapture, or for the wrath of the Lord, but we're actually just watching for him. We're looking forward to the return of the king. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, and to wait for the son from heaven, whom he has raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the truth of the gospel, that we've been, been sealed and saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is important whenever we talk about the second coming of the Lord. Second point this morning, this will be brief, but I just want to remind you that no one knows exactly when it's going to happen. And if they are um, claiming to know when exactly it's going to happen, they are trying to sell you something. I'm serious about that. If you have people who stand uh, in, in direct opposition to what the Lord's word says here, he says, we're supposed to expect it. The doctrine is imminence. We expect the imminent return of Christ. 
But when people will claim the day and the hour, they're in direct conflict with what scripture says. If you'll turn over with me to Matthew chapter 24, it talks about this, uh, especially in verse 36. It says, but concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. Now, are there signs? Are there things that we can look forward to? Absolutely. Is there prophecy? Is there expectation of the return of the Lord? Yes, absolutely. But I just want to remind you, and this is a great principle for you as a Christ follower, those of you who know the Lord, I keep saying it because it's essential for us to recognize it, that some will attempt to borrow God's influence. They'll attempt to borrow your influence. And in this case, when it comes to the second coming, even from the days of Christopher Columbus, he had set the imminent return of the Lord as a t happening in 1650. Um, there have been Roman priests from, from uh, earliest days that would proclaim the day of the Lord returning in 500. Joseph Smith claimed it would be in 1891, the founder of the uh, Church of the Latter-day Saints. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses claimed it would be 1914. Some of you know um, Sun Young Mung Moon. Uh, we know of the Moonies. They claimed it would be between 1917 and 19. There's dates that have been proclaimed. And I just want to remind you, the text tells us really not what, uh, when it's going to happen, but that it is going to happen. And I'll just remind you gently that you will know it when it happens. You're not going to miss this. The return of the king, uh, like the original flood of that day of judgment, those people didn't miss that. And you're not going to miss this day. It says this in verse 40 of Matthew chapter 24. This is helpful. Then two men will be in a field and will be, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this. Now, let, let's stay here for just a quick second. Stay awake. So this isn't like pull perpetual all-nighters, right? Um, this is actually saying a mindset um, the mindset of a person who's staying awake is a person who, and this happened in the early church, it's, it's a person who um, does avoid what some were tempted to do. And that was just, you know, quit, sit down and just wait for the Lord to return. That's not what he's asking us to do. He's actually asking us to work as hard as we possibly can to try to draw others to understand the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord and to be diligent and faithful. Like Paul says, I run as to receive a prize. He's saying, be diligent. Expect that the Lord's going to come. Reach, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know that, let me just say this, verse 40. I love the fact, I used to work for my dad. And um, it was incredible. That one moment when I, he was a real estate agent flipping houses. And I could work 15 hours straight. That one moment I sit down for like 10 minute break is the moment dad would come pulling in in his town car or whatever. You know, I'm like, hey, you taking a break, buddy? I'm like, yes, 15 minutes. I've been working forever. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, the expectation of this is he's saying, keep working, be faithful. Verse 43, for know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and he would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour that you don't expect. We don't have time to look at all of these verses or even to look at the uh, prophecies that surround this. There's wonderful biblical illustrations of 
uh, anticipating the return of the bridegroom and the, um, this, these awesome images. I just want to, you to catch this. That, that when he says be prepared, be ready, uh, I think that there's a part of this that it's also to try to help those that you love be prepared and be ready. I think there's a part of this of recognizing that uh, this day is coming. And it can be a day of rejoicing or it can be a day of wrath. And so the act of love uh, that we have when we bring good tidings of great joy to those who don't yet know him is that we, we move beyond those temptations to just try to coexist. And we, we move into a mode where we say, oh, I, w- I want to be willing to share with you the joy of the Lord. My, I have a pastor friend that um, we all, like today probably, will get a phone call or in the next week of someone trying to scam us out of money, right? Uh, cracked me up, my, my, uh, my eldest daughter, the first day she got a cell phone, um, she received a phone call that said she owed thousands of dollars in back taxes. She didn't even have a job, right? You guys know what we're talking about. But, uh, a pastor friend of mine um, tells the story of receiving one of those phone calls, and, and he thought it was real, and it was involving back taxes, and, and it was really devastating for him. It was one of those phone calls that said, you need to do this right away, and it was a real high-pressure thing. And, um, and so there was a number that was quoted early on of how much money he owed, and I think he had to go get his credit card or something or figure out how to wire the money. He's in the process of doing it, and he called back the number that had called him and the person that he spoke to. And that person quoted a different number that he'd owed. And it was at that moment um, that my friend uh, realized that it was fake, right? He, he like, oh, well, wow, like this is totally fake. And uh, I, don't, I don't know how you'd respond. You know, like, I, I don't know if I, I'd probably lose some of my sanctification at this moment, you know, just like, like straightening this person out. But my friend uh, went on to tell the story of the, the fact that the person who he was talking to, um, like he, he was able to get through to this person. He's like, hey, you do understand that. Like I have a family and he talked about his kids and he talked about his search. This is the pastor talking to this man on the phone. And then he proceeded to share the gospel with this person. I don't know what your story is. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what, what country you're in. I don't know what the story is, but I want you to understand that, that the Lord that I worship and serve died for people like you who um, find a way to justify stealing, killing, devouring, whatever you're doing, you know? And, and I just, I listened to that story and I just want to challenge you. So when we're talking about those destined for wrath or we talk about the second coming of the Lord, uh, part of our privilege and responsibility is to, as people who are in the light, to not only be prepared ourselves for the return of the King, but to aspire to long to represent his loving kindness to a world that desperately needs it. This year, we're going to focus in as a church family and growing deep in our faith, uh, committing to growing personally, asking hard questions in our life, deepening our wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the Lord. But we believe that that's going to lead us to have a wide influence in our community. And I, and I know some of you are doing that already, and we're praying that 2023 would be a year where we're ready um, but we're also ready to give an answer for the hope that we hold dear. Um, there's a, a poem based upon the night before Christmas. Um, it's attributed to many different authors, but Stormy Gale is the one that showed up the most commonly. I remember Pastor sharing this with me when I was a, a boy. Um, and I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I, I want to just remind you for some people, um, this is what they expect. It says, "'Twas the night before Jesus came.'" And all through the house, not a creature was praying, not one in the house. 
Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care in hopes that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead. And the mom in a rocker and baby on her lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there rose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. And away to the window, I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. And, to, and when what to my wandering eye should appear, but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. With a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew at that moment, this must be the day. The poem goes on to talk about uh, one experience on that day. And it's, it's haunting, actually. Uh, but I just want to also remind you that for those of us who know Christ, for those of us who uh, anticipate and look forward to that day, that it is the day of great restoration. So, so as we apply this message this morning, I just want to remind you to be ready. I, um, I, I want to keep growing in my wisdom and knowledge and understanding of what it means to be prepared for that day. I also want to remind you that in preparation for the return of the king, that we don't earn our way into salvation, but because of the work of Christ, heaven's perfect sacrifice, Romans 10, 9 and 10 describes it beautifully this way. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That's the gospel. That's a what it means for us to understand salvation. And I just want to remind you, justified. It's just as if I'd never done it, that it's to tell us that I paid in full. It's a wonderful Greek word that the punishment for my sin has been paid in full. And so, so we want to make sure that we're ready. We also want to make sure that our friends and family are ready. Um, we, we've talked about tests <laughs> that are prepared for. I'll tell you, that's a, lot, that's a great experience. They didn't have it a ton of times in seminary or in high school, college. Um, but there were those times when you'd studied, you'd prepared for that test. And when it sat down in front of you, it actually became an exercise of understanding. And it was delightful to make connections. And uh, I want to remind you as we anticipate the return of the king that that day can be a glorious reunion. Uh, we also recognize, like those who are on the outside of the ark uh, on that fateful day, that those who ignore the reality of God's judgment will still experience the return of the king. Those who don't know him personally will still experience the return of the king. And I believe that that test can be the greatest day of our lives if we're ready for it, uh, or it can be a source of great pain. And so I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I'm going to close out reading uh, from Psalm 98 as we come to a conclusion. I want you to, to just hear these words and I want you to recognize this is what inspired that song that we sing, Joy to the World. It says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre and with the lyre, the sound of melody, 
with the trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise because the king, um, before the king, the Lord. That's what we want to do this year, right? Uh, we we want to respond in a manner worthy of a king. So I'm going to invite you to join me in prayer. We're going to prepare our hearts to receive uh, tithes and offerings this morning, and the ushers are going to come forward. I'm going to invite you to stand together with me right now. We're going to close our time in worship. Um, and so as we do so, I'm going to just invite you to, to open your hands before the Lord and to dedicate this year to him, to ask him to have his way. Uh, and, and I'm going to ask you to join me in praying a simple prayer. Lord, would we be prepared for whatever it means for you to return as our king? We pray this humbly. We pray this joyfully. We ask that you would receive our worship today in the different forms that we give it in a manner that's worthy of you. And all God's people said, amen. amen.